What's up, Rad Dads? Welcome back to another episode of the Rad Dads podcast, hosted by none other than the two raddest dads on the East Coast. In studio tonight is myself and Rob, and we also have a special guest, Kern Carter. Kern is an ambitious father who is also a full-time author and the founder of Cry Creative Group, whose goal is to create and motivate a network of aspiring authors united by the strength of openness and imagination. Kern has written five novels, three of which are out now and two to be published in the near future. Cry is Kern's creative business brand, which also includes Cry Magazine, Cry Productions, and Cry Academy. Kern is also voted top six black Canadian writer to watch. So look out. Kern, welcome to the show. Thank you. And I love that intro. And your lookout is right. I love that. <laughs> All right. I want to apologize. Kern's being really cool about this. We just recorded for about five minutes and nothing got actually recorded. So, Kern, we apologize. We just like talking to you that much. We want to do it again. <laughs> we're good. I love talking about this. So we're, you're talking about my two favorite things, which is parenting and, and publishing, basically. So we're good. Awesome. So, is, Kern, is there anything else that uh, I didn't cover in that opening that you would like to share with our audience? Nope. You you got everything right. You know, especially I love that last part, too, because I work for it. The, the part about being one of the, the six black um, authors to look out for in Canada, like that one's big. That one felt really good for me um, because that's that's like a it's almost like a, you said you said uh, look out like that feels like that. Like, look out, like, look who's coming. And I've been I've really wanted that kind of momentum for a long time. So that one felt good. And that that, one I mean, that's 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 amazing. I mean, it's like. Number six in Canada. <laughs> so so there's a lot of people in Canada. That's a tremendous uh, accomplishment, man. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. That one felt good. I, I will say, Kern, I too am a writer, not to your caliber by any means, but I know what the writing process takes and it's an incredible amount of dedication, losing your hair, it's like hair pulling out, you know, you plot out a book and then you get to the end and you're like, that doesn't work. I need to fix it. Or you go through your first edit and you're like, man, the, like these three chapters, I just don't like it. Or I don't like the voice in this. I got to re-edit it. How do you possibly balance it with being a teenage dad, with having a young daughter? How do you do it? It's absolutely incredible. Yeah, no, thank you. You know what? Time management is one of the most underestimated skill, I think, that that writers or people, probably entrepreneurs need, you know, like being able to manage your time is a real skill. I woke up and for a very long time, I did this for years, I woke up at five o'clock every single morning and that, that's when I would do my writing. So from five till about eight, um, I would just write and then I would handle my business during the day, deal with my daughter, do whatever uh, back in the day when I had like other jobs, do those other jobs and stuff like that. Um, and then come back home and write again. So I, I really, I really structured my days in a way that made sense and in a way that prioritized writing, no matter what, no, I don't care what job I had. I don't care what was happening in my life. I woke up every single morning, had a cup of water and I wrote and I wrote for at least two to three hours. Um, and then as I got closer to, to where I was and I didn't have to do any of the, the odd jobs and I started writing for four or five hours. So it, it's just really a, a time management thing. And it's a, also, you, you you started off this podcast by saying am, ambitious. It's an ambition thing. I, I want to be the best writer ever for myself. I don't. It's not even a competition thing. I want to be the best writer in the world for myself. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to look at myself and be like, yeah, Kern, like, 
you are definitely the best. You know what I mean? Like that's how I want to feel. So um, it's it's an ambition thing too. And when you're driven and when it's part of who you are, like writing is part of who I am. I feel like it's 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 kind of kind of I just do it at all costs. You know. So, Kern, how many kids do you have, and what are their ages? One grown twenty-year-old daughter is is what I have, but I feel like having one twenty-year-old is like having four or five kids. So, <laughs> I don't know what's worse, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, you you're you're uh, uh, you don't look that old, so you you're fairly young. So, uh, you're a teenage father. Yes, yes, I had my daughter. I found out I was going to be a parent when I was eighteen, and I had her a week after I turned nineteen. So it's been a it's been a long twenty years. Um, and and I, and again, the first 10, 12 years were rough. Um, it was really tough. It was it was hard. Not really having any money. Um, falling out with my parents, like my mom, I should say. Uh, just like she was not happy about the situation. I was also an amazing basketball player in high school, so I was like one of the top basketball players in Canada. I lost all my scholarship offers. Um, which was rough because I loved basketball, still love basketball, but I really love basketball. So I, it was, it was really hard kind of not um, having an identity and not really knowing what to do once, when, when, when I found out that I was about to have a kid, but I mean, I'm here now, you know what I mean? I'm here now and we got, we got through the, we got through the rough parts and I feel like our life has been beautiful for the past uh, six, seven years or so. So let me let me ask you this: Would you have changed that journey? Any any part of that journey that you traveled to this point where you are today? Yeah, and that is that is the question, you know, because part of me does feel like I would not change a thing because of where I am. I mean, I'm I, I am where I wanted to be, and I'm getting closer to where ultimately I want to be. I'm still not there yet, but um, there's because it was so hard, especially early on. There's also a part of me that's just like. Ah, you know, I wish I did a couple of things different, you know, but I, I think maybe a lot of people say that a lot of um, parents and people in general probably go through that on, on reflection. So um, maybe I wouldn't I, I wouldn't change anything, but there are some things I, I regret. I, I'll probably put it like that. I, I know. I know. Uh, it's it's human nature. There's certain things that that we, we would turn look back and, and try and change. But I, I think ultimately um, you know, we are where we're supposed to be at all times and, and, and the path that we chose and, and the, the, the tough journey that, that we, we were on, uh, I think makes us the person that we are today, makes us as strong as we are today. Um, and the challenges that we face uh, daily, those are just, you know, challenges and obstacles to make us stronger. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And you know, when you're speaking about the challenges and thinking about all the stuff that I went through, I turned around and put all of that into my books. So the fact that um, I, I struggled so much with my daughter when she was younger and when we were both younger, it, it, it really actually became the motivation and the inspiration actually for a lot of the stories that I tell. A lot of the stories I tell are kind of centered around um, young people, the teenagers, teenage life, uh, the way teenagers think. All of that kind of... Um, helped inspire stories from my daughter around uh, the situations of my daughter being, being, being kind of growing up as a teenage parent. And a lot of the stories are a lot of the books I write 
uh, our YA books. Like my first book is called Thoughts of a Fractured Soul. That book is directly about my life, even though it's fictional. Beauty Scars, another one about teenagers, boys and girls screaming about teenagers. Like it's not an accident that because uh, that I write these books, that time in my life was really tumultuous. So I, I just have this like I have so much content from that from that time. And a lot of it obviously is because I went through I went through what I went through. So you're right. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't change anything. I was just about to ask you what genre your books are in because I, I looked them up and it seemed like YA. Is that, is that what you go for is YA? Primarily. Yeah, but you know, it's interesting. I never considered myself a YA writer until I became published. I was just writing books and telling the stories because those that time in my life, I just had so much to talk about, right? So I was just writing books. But when I got signed, then it becomes like a marketing thing. So it's like, oh, what genre of book are you going to write? So really, my agent pushed me to that. And I accept. I, I accepted. My agent's like, you know, you you tell young adult stories or you write um, teenagers really well. Um, you should really focus on that. And I was like, for real? He's like, yeah, you write really young adult really well. So once he said that, it, it really it really kind of um, helped me focus a little bit on my writings. And we got two published, well, we got three publishing deals in total, but we got two with uh, Penguin and Scholastic when, when he told me that. And that's when we got even more intentional about, you know, really writing uh, young adult books. That's awesome. Are your books solo books or part of a trilogy or? All solo books, but... I'm actually working on a, a, a series right now. So the book I'm writing for Scholastic is called Is There a Boy Like Me? Um, I'm going to turn that one into a series. I, I'm pretty sure I'm working on the second part of it now. I think I'm going to call it Rivalry. Um, but yeah, I'm going to turn that into a series. All the other books have been solo. Nice. I'm going to geek out right now because obviously I've been in this this little writing industry and I haven't been successful as you have. But one of the things that I always like is very difficult for writers is really getting, you know, doing your query letters and getting an agent. How are you easily, how are you able to accomplish that? Oh my gosh. You asked like the hardest question. The, writing a query, let me tell you, I'm the most confident writer that you're going to need. I cannot write queries. Queries are <laughs> so hard to write. I'm taking classes, everything. They're impossible. So I'm just going to, I'm going to be really honest right now. And this is going to suck for other writers, but ah. Uh, I didn't get my agent through querying. I got my agent through networking. That's awesome. I wrote, I got two, I had two agents. So the first agent I got was because I would go to um, a lot of book launches in Toronto. So I go like just a lot. I just go. And I went to one um, that I, and I saw the same, I'd see the same people, the same person throwing it. And one of the event planners came up to me. She's like, I see you a lot. You know, tell me about yourself. And I was telling her about myself. And she's like, Oh, you, you should have an agent. I'm like, I know I should have an agent. She's like, I'm going to hook you up. And she hooked me up with like, she introduced me to another agent. That agent became my agent. So that didn't work out. So that like, there's a story behind that, but that one didn't work out. We ended amicably, but it didn't work out. My second agent happened when I had written a piece, a parenting piece, um, actually. And it got picked up by, it got picked up by, I think fatherly. It got picked up by fatherly. And um, so it went like, it went pretty viral, and then CBC is a local is a national um, TV station broadcaster here in Canada. CBC read that piece and they wanted to interview me, so they interviewed me, put it on the radio. My agent heard the interview and messaged me, so that's how I got my second agent, who's my agent right now. So I didn't have to query any of them. Um, but hold on, just so people writers aren't like, oh my gosh, this is craziness. Um, I you do have to query publishers still. That's something that, like, just just really quickly on the nerd out part, I'm just going to yeah. talk about this quick. You have to query publishers. So even when you have an agent and you're pitching your book to the publisher now and your agent is doing that on your behalf, um, 
the, just because an editor, one editor from a publisher likes your book, that doesn't mean you have a book deal yet. That editor has to take the book and present it to the full team. So present it to like a team of marketers, other publishers and blah, blah, blah. When they do that, they ask you to actually create a proposal, which is like a query, which is basically has all the same elements, why you should write it, what's your book about, blah, 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 blah. Um, and they have to pitch that, they have to convince their team to sell, to purchase the book. So I do have, I did have to query for that. Um, and that part was difficult. My agent helped me out a lot with that, but I did write that. I, re- I wrote those and those queries helped me get my, my two publishing deals with Penguin and Scholastic. So I, I have two questions as you guys geeked out on writing, right? So one thing, one, I know YA I figured out was young adult, right? And for everyone else out there that's not a writer, like myself, what is a query letter? Okay, yeah. Oh, crap. <laughs> yes, you're right. Okay. A query letter is basically <laughs> a summary of your book. That is the, the quickest okay. way I can That's the worst thing it. to because write. Because like, if you're pitching to an agent, they're not going to read your full man. They don't have time to read a full manuscript. So how can you summarize the best points of your book in a page? Essentially. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Because <laughs> I'm sitting here and saying, what the hell is a query letter? The best oh, part good. is when you send 20 of those out and you get 20 rejections or 15 rejections <laughs> and five straight, no responses. Straight. straight. All rejections. We all. If you're a writer, you're going to get multiple. I saved all of them. I was so mad. I literally stopped writing. I have two books, two two novels I've written. But I go back every time I go back and start editing. Like I have it's funny. I have a freaking pamphlet of edited chapters sitting right here. So I'm like, like you tell me this. I'm like, I get it. I get what you're like. I love that you like you're much more dedicated. Like I focused on my career and like kind of put writing on the back burner, but I do the same thing. I wake up at five, put it in an hour before the kids are up. Even if I'm just editing, I, I love it. I I completely relate to what you're doing i love it i love it so uh kern what was the inspiration behind your latest book boys and girls screaming yeah you know i'm first of all i'm just like an there's not usually a single thing that inspires me i'm just i feel like i'm always inspired i have so many stories to tell um kind of kind of based on observation, based on my experiences growing up. I have a lot of stories to tell. But I will say, though, there was something that inspired the characters in this book. And it was a story. It's a, one of my friends uh, used to work at a foster care, a foster home. And this one kid came into the foster home and he's like, oh, I want to call my mom. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't want to be here. I want to call my mom. And they're like, OK, call your mom. And if she picks you up, you can go. So the boy called his mom and he's like, mom, they said, if you pick me up right now, that I could go home. I don't have to stay here. And she's like, no, stay. Um, and that was just like that. I just, I don't know. That story wow, that, really that's got to be devastating. Devastating. Imagine oh. that. And this is, kid was like 15 at the time. Oh my so God. That stuck with me forever. And then and this happened. So th- that story he told me years before I actually started writing the book. But when I started writing it, I remembered that story. And it stuck with me. So the character, one of the main character characters, her name is Candace. And Candace has a very harsh separation with her mother at the very beginning of the book where her mom leaves, like literally just walks out the door, walks out the house when Candace is still only five years old. Um, and the mom obviously has some mental mental health issues, but she walks out. And I took that from, again, the harsh separation of a child calling his mom and being like, hey, I want to come. And you're like, no. I'm like, how can I replicate that? And just really from the beginning, give readers that 
oh, like that gut feel, like how you, your, your people can't see your face, but the way your face was when you're like, oh my, oh my god, yeah. I was like, no, <laughs> like I wanted that. That's what I wanted. I want people to be like, oh my gosh, your mom just walked out on this five year old kid. I wanted that, that, and it set the tone for the entire novel, um, which does talk a lot about. Um, in a in a in a very um, not over like it's not hitting you over the head, but it does touch on mental health. Um, it does touch on a bunch of other stuff, and the book is kind of centered on on mental health, although it's a YA book. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of the inspiration for the characters, and then the inspiration for the story is just me being imaginative. I'm laughing. Sal wrote this question. What what is your favorite part of the writing process? My favorite part. My favorite part of the writing process. Oh boy. Probably, you know, there's a moment, there's two things. When I first figure out the exact story I want to tell, you know, like, because I don't write, I don't get to the laptop and start going, going crazy with writing until I know in my mind what I'm writing. Like, I'm not someone that's going to go to a black screen and be like, oh, what am I going to write today? I need to have it in my head. That's, that's how I am. So it actually takes me about close to a year of just like cataloging notes and observing things and writing down points and then being like, okay, let's go. I'm ready to write the story. So that, that's a beautiful, that's a beautiful part of, of writing for me. But the other part is um, you get into a flow and you, you probably understand this, Rob, you get into a flow of writing when you're writing novels and then it feels like the characters are writing the story for you and you're not even writing it. You know, like exactly how these characters are going to react. And they're, you would be trying to write something and the character's like, no, I would never do that. You know, like it's, you almost feel that. That part, it, when you get there and the characters are just so in you that they're writing the story, it is this really surreal feeling that's just like, you're, you know them so well, you're inside their head. It's, it's, it's magical. I absolutely love that because then it's just, you know the stories, you're, you're on a good, you're in a good direction. The story's going to be beautiful. That, that is pretty cool. <laughs> to, to, I, I, can, I can only imagine what that, that feeling is like where, where the, essentially the characters come to life yeah. and are writing their own, uh, you know, writing their own part in the, in the story. That's pretty yeah. cool. That is, that's pretty, it's almost like, cause I played basketball. It's almost like when you're in the zone a little bit, you know, like if you're a sure. sports person, when you're in the zone, it just feels like the rim is big and everything's going in slow motion. It's, it's very similar to that. It's, it's, it's the same kind of vibe. Yeah, you're just flowing. So what message or theme do you hope uh, your readers will take away from your books? Um, you know, my books deal a lot with, with family and friendship. So to me, uh, and community, to me, those things are really important. And without family, friendship, community, and support, I, I feel like, let me not say it like that. I feel like family, community, friendship, and support are really essential, especially today, are really essential. You could get really lost on this online world, right? Like you could go down, like I love it, but you could get lost and you could feel really disconnected from things and you could have a really odd perception of what life is supposed to be like. To me, the most still, I don't, from, from civilization started, the most important structure was the family structure and i include community and friendship and family structure so when i say family i mean community and friendship as well those things are important and valuable and the further we deteriorate from that uh i think it's it's not doing us any favors let's just put it like that that's that's the lightest way i could put it so i think when people read my books i want them to feel like they like the community aspect of life and the friendships especially they realize how important that is to actually existing 
you know what I mean? And, and living, li- thrive, living, thriving lives. Like, and we don't get so caught up again. And you talk to someone who's ambitious. So like, I want to make money. I want to do all these things. I want to have success. Wonderful. But it would not mean as much if I'm doing all these things without community, without family, without friendship, without like without both that balance in my life. It, it doesn't even mean anything. Right. And when I think about like going back to my own daughter, if I did not have the support of my mom, whoever who eventually just got over getting angry at me, if I didn't have the support of my mom, my brothers, uh, my uncle, my aunt. Um, my younger brother, my younger brother would help me out a lot. You know what I'm saying? Like, and he was, imagine I was 19. He was like 16 years old and helping me out a lot. So I had, I, I had a community really raise my daughter. I had a community help me out with that. Um, and I grew up in a big family, you know? So for me, it's, it's, it's essential. And I, when I write my books, especially boys and girls screaming, it's, it's really about the power of community and the power of friendship to help get people through. And I hope people catch that in all my stories. That is a hundred percent important is, is the power of family, the power of friendship, the power of community. Um, it is all, it is way too often where kids just get lost in, in the internet and, and, um, you know, watching, watching TV shows, they think that what they see on TV is how a family should really be on, you know, and it's crazy. Um, one of my daughters actually asked me about that. I said, this is, this is someone writing. This is scripted. This is, this is not real. This is fake. You know, she asked me this, you know, five, six years ago and, and, yeah, I kept drilling that into her head because I saw her getting more, oh, my God, this is pretty cool. And this is what I think our family should be like. I said, somebody's taking a pen and paper and writing down everything that these people should be saying. So this is fake. I love they, that. I yeah. love that. I love that you told her that because it's a, they need to know that. They they absolutely a million percent need to know that. Like there's, this is this is us imagining, writers imagining, TV and producers and directors imagining. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is not how we, however people write it, I don't care how good you are, it is still imagining. It is not what it's like in the real world. It is, there's no way to replicate the day-to-day life of a family in the real world. Zero, absolutely zero. You have to live it. You know what I mean? And that means going through the rough stuff. That means going through the arguments and the disagreements. And that means me as a father telling you stuff you don't like, and you still have to do it. Sorry, you still have to do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's oh, just yeah. like, you have to do that. But if you didn't tell your daughter that, then she would not have that understanding. You know what I'm saying? They would think that, no, this this stuff I watch on YouTube and TikTok and TV is is what it's supposed to be like, and it's not. So it's, um, that's why I said I'm so happy you, you tell your kids that, because it's important. The, over the summer, or this, this summer, last summer, I think it was, two summers ago, whenever it was, there were these, these, these bunch of boys that they were watching on YouTube, their brothers, and they're like, oh, my God, man, mansions, these fancy cars. And I said... That is all just to keep you entertained. You know, th- those are probably rented cars. Rental, it's probably yeah. a rented house. Yeah. They need to keep their, their viewers. Oh, my God, what's the next thing you're going to do? It's all. I t- and it took a while for her to really understand that, that, that all that stuff was, was fake and it wasn't, it wasn't uh, true. And, I told, and now, you know, they're 11, 12, 11, 12, and 13. I said, look, it's content. Mm-hmm. That's what you have to do. You got, you got to content if you don't have content if you don't have something interesting your people aren't going to watch the show exactly. so that's what they're doing they're getting people interested they they want they want to know what the next uh uh trick is or or the next flashy thing is going to be you know what too though we're just getting i think we're just understanding how to manage our kids and the internet 
because we never had like there's no like what when did we have to do that right like our parents didn't have to tell us about it not for real anyway right like it was just getting started it wasn't you weren't addicted to the internet back aol then. yeah exactly, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's if you could connect <laughs> if you could get it to connect exactly so it wasn't a thing like that for us so i think we're we're learning how to parent it um hopefully our kids will be better if they grow up and have their kids as well they'll probably be better at it um but i think we're just learning and then the other side of it there the kids are just learning how to um conduct themselves and how to interpret the stuff that's coming from the internet you know like like how because if they didn't have parents like you to say hey no this is fake and blah blah then they start getting to their own assumptions and that's dangerous that's why i said family friendship and community is important you need people to to hold them in check and realize like hey this is this is called entertainment just like you watch a cartoon it's a, it's pretty much the exact same thing um so you have to like but i think we're just learning to do that and the kids are just learning to do that i i this is my this is my optimistic view of people in the world like i hope we're just learning and that we'll actually get it do a lot better because right now to be in my view i don't think we're doing a great job meaning like society in general um both the kids just like understanding like what what they're looking at and, and how to how to actually interpret that and then parents just have figuring out how to be more active and, and take a role in participating in how their kids actually view and participate on the internet like we have to be i didn't even have to go through that with my daughter to be completely real she was born in 2002 um so i i a little bit but not really um so yeah it's it's a different it's a different era now it's it's much different i think if you see probably preteen, 11 12 and teenagers you see them walking down the street you'll see them with their phone in their hand and looking down at it 100 percent all the time 100 my son comes home i go what are you doing uh i love you on my phone okay give me your phone. <laughs> you've now lost it every time i see him and he's on his phone he's like dad why have you take my phone away from me i was like because this isn't in your phone this is the real world you're i love what your friends are all putting on snapchat no one gives a crap about i was like it may mean something to you right now i said but you go from Snapchat to YouTube to texting your mm. friends. And then like, it's a circular. I was like, and we only give you 30 minutes a day. So the fact that you can't take your eyes off your phone is absolutely ridiculous to me. Yeah. How did you, how did you come? Sorry, I know you guys are asking questions, but how did you come up with the 30 minutes a day thing? Like, cause I'm curious about how parents handled and handled their kids today. Uh, because we felt that anything more than that on social media was a little bit too much for uh, an 11 year old. So even, and we really limited, it's like 30 minutes across all applications. Um, And what we've noticed is that Snapchat's really where a lot of the kids are. And there's a lot of stuff on Snapchat that I don't really, like I never used Snapchat until my son was on it. And now I just have it to monitor what he's doing. And I can't even do a good job of that because it all disappears in 24 hours. So (laughs) it's really hard unless you're constantly monitoring it. But we allow texting and calls unlimited. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of his friends only have only use Snapchat for communication and then others are on, you know, will text, but it, it's kind of back and forth depending on the kids group. But if you felt anything more than 30 minutes, he would just get absorbed into it. Got you. Got you. Okay. Makes sense. Makes sense. See, my kids don't have Snapchat, so it's easy for me. You just cut it out. You just said, they, forget they, it. <laughs> they, they have no social media. They can text with their friends. Um, and they they listen to music on Spotify, and they have uh, YouTube. They watch five minute crafts and and you know whatever other crap. But they don't have Facebook. They don't have Instagram. They don't have Snapchat. They don't have any of that stuff. Wow. Uh, you know, am I doing them a disservice? 
you know, I don't know. Do, do they I friends? don't think so. No. Yeah. Why would you think that? <laughs> because because I know their friends probably talk about it in school. Oh, oh did you see true. this on Facebook or did you see that on Instagram and blah, blah, blah. So you're kind of – I'm essentially isolating them from their friends because they're not – in the know, you know, with, with yeah. what's going on on Instagram. But you know what? I, I think we're doing a, a good job in protecting them from the, the, uh, the uh, for lack of a better term, shit on social media. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. I, I would probably be on the, on the Rob side, probably be on the 30 minute side if I, my daughter was around that age. Um, but yeah, it would be restricted for sure. There is no way I'm letting them go hours on it. That's that's so wild to me. Like I don't even want to be on the internet for hours. So uh, no, it's not happening. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so do you have a favorite quote or line from your latest book? Or what is your favorite quote or line from any of your books? Yeah, from Thoughts of a Fractured Soul, it's the very first beginning, the very first line. It starts off, I've been here before. And it's really supposed to be um, an allusion to... Well, it's actually speaking in this in the paragraph. It speaks directly to the fact that he's he's immigrating from one country to the next, uh, and his mom had actually gone to the country before with her with him in her belly. So he's saying, "I've been here before," in that. So it's a literal sense. But then he's saying, "I've been here before," meaning that he's in thoughts of a fractured soul. He keeps making bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. So it's like an allusion to him being like his life going in circles so i love that line because it tells it's basically the entire story in one line so i love that for thoughts of a fractured soul um beauty scars the same thing like the first line is i take a lot of time with my first lines so that's probably why i love them the first line of beauty scars is um an accident made me beautiful um and i love that line for for so many different reasons she she literally gets into an accident and the accident does make her more beautiful and it's and you wonder throughout the entire book if it's all in her mind or not so i i love that part of it and then um boys and girls screaming it's not a line but there's a point there's two points there's a part where uh where jericho who's a the one of the, the main characters he's he's the main character's younger brother um when he when you're first introduced to him uh he he talks about how he got his name and how ever got her name uh, who's a sister and he said that uh because his name is jericho and and which is it had has like biblical connotation and then ever meaning forever so he, i think the line is something like uh in our in our names alone our mother uh created like some kind of epic fantasy or something like that like it's just like this beautiful line about that and then the other part is um in boys and girls screaming as well where Ever's mom has a stroke, and before she had a stroke, she was a fun-loving person who would just take them on, throw them in the back of the car, and they'll be gone for two days. Like she was super hippie, adventurous, and then the stroke took all that away. So Ever's looking at her on the chair, sitting down, and she's like, "This is six months past the stroke, so she should be getting better," and she's not. And she's like, she writes all the instructions of what she wants her kids to do on this small little whiteboard, and she gives it to them, and she like she flips it around, and they have to read it, and like go get me some juice or go make this thought so if she's about to ever sees her mom doing that and she walks up to her grabs it brings it outside puts it behind the car and drives over the whiteboard and then breaks it in like 20 pieces and then walks back inside and says if you want to go if you want to want us to do something for you go outside and go get it like i love that scene so yeah I'll, I'll wow <laughs> that's awesome yeah so i'm gonna go into the rapid fire round 
Um, interesting enough, it's not really rapid fire. I mean, we call it rapid fire, but so Sal, I can't believe you, you really did this. So favorite book, favorite book, uh, beloved by Tony Morrison. Nice. Uh, favorite movie. Whoo. I'm going to say dark Knight cause I just saw it yesterday, but I'm going to say this one too. Cause this is weird, but Every time Pretty Woman comes on, I feel like I have to watch it. <laughs> I, just, I have this weird obsession with Pretty Woman. So Pretty Woman is a close two. <laughs> Favorite food? Macaroni pie. Favorite sport? Basketball. Favorite sports team? Raptors. A favorite dad moment? Ooh. Um, oh, that's a tough one. Favorite dad moment? When, when my daughter... Um, she was supposed to go to university and she got accepted to university, but she didn't want to go. I didn't know this. I find this out after she didn't want to go. So what she did was she went and applied to a college, a local college in Toronto, got accepted into the program that she wanted to get accepted to, and then told me afterwards. Um, so that all I had to do was pay the tuition. So she did all the work <laughs> on her own. Uh, but for her, it was such a big deal. And she did like she was nervous telling me because she thought I'd be upset. But I was actually proud that she went and did something that she wanted to do on her own terms. And, and she went to school for what she wanted to go to school for. And, and now she does that for her career. So I love that. That's awesome. Favorite vacation spot? Ooh, I just went to uh, Carousel and I loved it. So I'm going to say Carousel. Nice. Um, best dad joke? thinking about this all episode i still have absolutely no dad joke <laughs> i don't even i don't know if i know one dad joke oh my god and my daughter thinks i'm not funny so i, I you're, you're just gonna prove her point with this one um dad joke oh goodness i would have to plead the fifth on this one i have no idea all right what's that joke that's all right there's plenty of people so i want to go back to one thing so the vacation spot do you see when you go on vacation, does it inspire you? Yeah, 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 yeah. It just, right? It's just a whole different energy. Oh my gosh. It's a whole different energy. Curacao, was this, uh, yeah, Curacao especially was just, it was vibe. I just also went to Puerto Rico. Woo! That was great too. So like it was, yeah, it just puts me in a whole different zone because it's it just the, the energy, the people, the, the views, what it looks like, what it exactly. smells like whole different vibe it's right, like so i'm not published but people think i'm nuts i bring a bag just for my writing shit like i have my edited chapters i bring my i bring my laptop i always have to bring my work laptop but i bring my personal laptop so i can write <laughs> and take notes and i was like what are you doing you're not gonna have time for that i was like oh i will have time yes. i'll sit on the balcony <laughs> i will make time i will outline some stuff and you want to hear the craziest part i've said this before on previous episodes on our honeymoon we were in venice we would walk around all morning in Venice. My wife would be like, I'm exhausted. I would sit outside, drink like five espressos and just start outlining different chapters. Oh my different God. Ideas. Like that's I like, love I, it. I just, I actually, I don't even care if I ever get published. I love the, I love the writing process. I so yeah, that. I would love to get published, but the process for me of like me telling my story, even if I'm telling it to no one is great. Yeah, no, you're right. No, I love that too. I'm, I'm like that too. I'm bringing my, I'm bringing my laptop. I'm writing everywhere. It doesn't yeah. matter. I got a little small book too that I carry around in my pocket. I'm writing. So yeah, I'm with you. Right. <laughs> I'm with you. So, so Rob is a very secretive writer because this is our fourth season and I have yet to see any of his writings. <laughs> <laughs> I, I see his blue folder with all his papers in it. 
Dude, look, <laughs> listen, look at all this strike through. And this is like third edit. Like, <laughs> all this shit's all striked out. <laughs> it sounded good yesterday, but sounds like crap today. <laughs> listen, Kern's going to think I'm crazy. I changed the point of view. I went from first to third. And I, yeah, I completely rewrote a book because I didn't like how it. Oh my gosh, that is nuts. Yeah, I just didn't sit right. Like, they like the whole point. So, my one book's called The Druid Druid Prince, and it's based on this kid being selected into this very magical school. But I had it as first person, and I was like, it doesn't tell the story the way I wanted it to be told. So, I had to add in different points of view. So, I moved it from Uh. first to third. But it's, it's getting to where I want to go. Now I'm like, all right, I got to X some of these characters out. Cause I don't like, they're like, I'm nuts, man. That my friend is writing. That's yeah. how it goes. And I love it. I'm just such a geek about it. I don't even care. So, so Kern, uh, where can our audience find you and where can they buy your books? KernCarter.com for everything. If you just go there, uh, all my books are on there. Um, everything I do about with cry is on there. So yeah, I would go to currentcarter.com, start there. And then if you're just looking for social, my name is current Carter on all social Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, doesn't matter. It's current Carter. So that's Kern K E R N Carter C A R T E R.com. So guys, gals, make sure you go out and check, uh, Kern's website. That's currentcarter.com. Sign up for his newsletter and buy his books, Boys and Girls Screaming, thought, uh, Thoughts of a Fractured Soul, and Beauty Scars. Um, Kern, it was a pleasure having you on. It was a pleasure meeting and chatting with you. Uh, you are such an inspiration for, for, for those uh, uh, new authors out there. For Rob, um, <laughs> I know once, we leave, once I leave tonight, he's going to get back into his, uh, <laughs> his edits and try and straighten his stuff out. But uh, ambitious father, you are ambitious father. Just tremendous. Um, thank you. And it was a pleasure meeting you. And thanks for coming on. Thank you. This was a lot of fun. And, and I had a great time. And I, and I hope your audience uh, loves it and enjoys it as well. Thank you.